Thanks, Trevor. Now you're listening to the Consumer Co- Corner call in. Try and saying that with too much coffee with me, Sinead Ryan. I'm sitting in for Ivan. You're normally used to hearing me uh, for five or ten minutes on a Monday, but we've decided to take over the show completely for the next hour. Uh, over the next two weeks at this time, we'll be taking your calls and I have real experts in a studio every single day with issues ranging from home renovations, consumer rights, planning your pension uh, and lots of other things as well. If you want to get involved, you can call 1890-453-106 and you can text 53106 for 30 cent and of course email the hard shoulder at newstalk.com. We'll put as many of you live on air as we can. We've been getting in lots of texts and calls and emails over the last few days because today we're kicking off with the cost of driving. How much Does your car set you back? What's a PCP and why is insurance so expensive? To answer these and more, I'm joined in studio by motoring journalist uh, Geraldine Herbert. Geraldine, you're very welcome. And managing director of insuremycar.ie, Jonathan Hare. Uh, You're both very welcome to studio uh, for this this new show and hopefully we'll get through as many listeners' questions as we can. Now, generally speaking, when it comes to running a car, you know, every year the AA produces this list that says, oh, it costs this much by the time you take in your motor tax and your petrol and your insurance and all that. It's fallen slightly, but even by the latest study, it's ten and a half thousand euros a year. Like, I mean, it really is expensive for families, isn't it, Geraldine? It is. It's a lot of money to spend, but I suppose that's that's a range of things that you're looking at the cost of. That that takes into consideration. I think their survey takes into consideration everything from fuel, insurance, servicing, the NCT. So when you add it all up, but when you add it up, it is expensive. I mean, it, it's a big investment if you are going to buy a car. You know, a second to a house, you're talking about a lot of money, really, and that you're going to spend or lay out or whatever, so... And of course, the car itself loses value the second you drive it out of the garage, doesn't it? Yes, yes, that's you the out that part. Yes, <laughs> account as well. It's yes, not so a, if you want that new an car, asset. it comes at a price. Yes, yeah. that's where used cars you don't lose as much, but yeah, definitely on a new car, there's the, the yes, the sting in the tail is yeah. the depreciation. And the one, of course, Jonathan, that most people kind of really balk at spending. They don't want spending the nice shiny leather seats and the new smell, but they really don't like paying for the insurance. No, and in recent years we've seen such a hike in insurance prices that um, it's no wonder that that. The amount that people are having to spend their motor um, insurance has gone up, as we all know. It's starting to come back down again slightly. The only good thing is that if it is a new vehicle, you're likely to pay less for a new vehicle than you are for an older vehicle, which I know is a bugbear of a lot of people. But a new vehicle is now going to cost you less than the... um, a car over 12 years old certainly will cost you more than one brand new out of the uh, showrooms. Okay, well, let's go to our callers. We have Penny on the line. Penny, what's your question? Hi, Sinead. Um, my father is no longer driving after he had a hip replacement some time ago. Um, he's adamant he wants to get back driving and won't sell the car. The insurance on the car has inspired and the NCT has run out. Can he get insurance again? Oh, right. OK, so that's a tricky one. It's expired. Jonathan, what would you recommend there? Yeah, it's no problem. He, he, will, he will, of course, get insured again. It's going to depend on the gap between his last policy and when he goes to buy the new policy. The only piece of advice I give there is that the NCT, uh, I think the caller said, has run out, which means that they'll need to get that done before he applies to get his insurance again. There will be questions about why he has been off the road, particularly as he's going to be insuring the same car as he had previously. So once he explains to them why he was off the road, most insurance companies will accept that and he'll be renewing a policy the same as if he'd no gap in cover at all. So it won't cost him any more as long as that NCT is up to date. 
But isn't it a bit of a chicken and egg? Like, don't you have to have insurance to get to the NCT and the NCT to get insurance? Y- you do, but the insurance companies have built into their systems now. They have information that will tell them this car has no NCT. It'll tell them how long it's had no NCT. It won't tell them that he's been out of action because it's had a hip replacement. So the valid reason for it won't be there and they just won't offer a quote. So as a customer, you won't know the reason they're not offering you a quote is due to the fact the NCT is out of date. So you could get somebody else to bring it for you. Some people will have policies that allow them to drive other people's cars. It will be third-party only cover, but once they have that facility, so they can bring the car to the NCT centre for you. You don't need to have an insurance disc to pass the NCT, and also in some cases you might just have to have a tow to the NCT centre, and we've come across those cases before. That is expensive, but I would bet you it would be cheaper than trying to get an insurance quote without the NCT. And that actually is a piece of advice for everybody who's buying a car today that your price will be, percentage-wise, I reckon it's anywhere between 30 and 40% more expensive if you get a quote today and take it and you actually pass the NCT next week than if you hold off till next week and get the NCT first. Really? So there's a kind of a bonus in just having the NCT <coughs> cleared and it cuts your insurance costs generally? The, the fact your NCT is not in place will eliminate about five insurance companies from the list that you will get your quote from and those five could be the best five in your um, category. Uh, so it, it's even though there's a cost there get, get the it S- done anyway get it done yeah. anyway ok alright um, Geraldine we had uh, Sinead O'Rourke was on uh, she said hi I'm looking for a family car I have three kids but only 8,000 euros to spend what are my options so she's not going to be looking at a new car there of any kind but um, it's ok to get a family car for around 8,000 yeah, what you're looking at more than anything are MPVs. MPVs are actually really good value at the moment because they've fallen out of favour. Everybody at the school now wants these lovely shiny SUVs. SUVs. But there's great value in MPVs. If she has three kids, it depends on what age, but she could be looking at three Isofix um, seats in the back. So that limits her choices, but it would mean... Um, these are the car seats that you have to... Oh, yeah. yeah so if, some of them wouldn't be able to take it. Across. Yeah, if they're very young, she will need those. I would recommend then looking at a Toyota Verso. Toyota are always good because they're very reliable. Um, a Citroen Grand C4 Picasso or... Um, yeah, it's hard to know now. What year would you be looking at now for a spend of €8,000? You're, you're going back a little bit, aren't you're you? You're going back sure? a lot. The problem is as well, because you're going back that far, you're looking probably at diesel. Again, because we've been buying diesel in our droves. So even if Petra would suit her, she's probably looking at a diesel MPV. And as I said, she's probably looking at a Toyota Versa, possibly a Mazda um, 5 and definitely a Grand C, uh, a Grand 4 uh, Picasso Citroen. So they're the kind of options. She won't have a huge amount now, to be honest. She will be limited, especially if she's three younger children. But there are options out there, but they're BMPVs. Okay, that's that's good advice. Now, we have another caller on the line. Colette, you have a question for our experts. Hiya, Sinead. Um, I do. I'm on maternity leave and I'm looking to rent a car for between three and six months and I was wondering if this is possible. Okay, uh, renting a car for three and six months. We're funny about renting this mm. car because we're used to tourists renting, aren't we? Yeah, and we look at rental being a short-term thing. Um, now, I know there are some insurance companies that are some higher companies that do sort of weekend and they do week-long rental. Whether they do long-term, I'm not 100% sure. You could try somewhere like Enterprise. What I would look at doing though, um, again, it depends where she lives, but go-car. I mean, the, the facility of go-car is you just get the car when you need it. You know, you, you pay a flat rate for the hour. That includes everything from the insurance, the fuel, the whole lot. So definitely, I mean, if she's, if she's not going back to work, she's on maternity leave, she's not going to need it that often often, I think that would give her far more flexibility. Okay, so a go-car. Well, what's the 
about the cost of a go car now, do you know? Like you, you just hire it per day, depending on how long you need it for. Yeah, I mean it? they can range. I think from about eight euros an hour right up, depending on the size of the car. But again, like that's your all-inclusive costs, and they do work out. They work out very cheaply if you get them for twenty-four hours or whatever. You can get them for four or five hours at a time. You can pre-book them. You can do all of that okay. online. So definitely, again, it depends. So they're usually only in cities. So if okay. she's in the country, Kalesh, is that an option for you? A go car? Are you living in the city at all? Yeah, no, I, I live in Dublin, so I could totally, I could totally get a go car. Um, yeah, and I think there's actually one pretty close to where I live as well. Okay, that's so that might be an idea for you now. And of course, you'll want to, you'll want to have a baby seat in there as well. Um, Jonathan, any other insurance issues that Clet should be conscious of? No, there? I was going to suggest a go car also because in taking out short-term insurance policies are uh, there's there's penalties and they're prohibitive. So in terms of the cost from the insurance point of view. Um, certainly trying to buy an insurance policy for three to six months wouldn't make sense. You'll end up paying too much money for it. So the go-car, which includes the insurance on it, is probably the obvious answer to it. Okay, so that might work out. And it'll probably be cheaper than going kind of to Hertz or Avis or one of those places. And wouldn't it be Geraldine yeah, than hiring a car like a tourist? Yeah, because they the, yeah, they're based on the idea that you need a car for, for a number of hours a day for three or four days. Whereas if you're looking at three to six months, months. you might only need it for, you know, you might need it to do the shopping on a Thursday and maybe to do something else on a Tuesday. So it may not work out okay. economical at all to get a car for any longer than maybe a couple of hours a week. Right. Well, Colette, I hope that's helped you a little bit and the very best of luck that's with great. Everything yeah. that you have ahead of you, I'm sure. I'm sure the car is the least of your <laughs> of your problems. So, um, best of luck with all that. Okay, keep our calls uh, coming, uh, please. Into studio eighteen ninety four five three one zero six. We are live. We have a text in. Uh, my dad is seventy six. He's in good health now, not on any medication, and has a full no claims bonus, and has never had an accident. Good on dad. Um, yet his insurance has doubled over the last few years to one thousand one hundred euros. Ouch. He's trying to shop around and nobody is even giving him a quote. Jonathan, this is not the first time we've heard this kind of a story about insurance. No, and the the last time I was here with Ivan, there was a caller who came in and they said the same thing, that their premium has gone from a thousand euros to sixteen hundred euros in a similar age bracket. But at the end of the text that had come through at that time, they had shopped around and they had got it for €600. And yet they've been paying a 1000 for the last three or four years. So there's one or two insurance companies that have had the market for 70 plus for the last while. They're relying on those people automatically renewing their policies. I'm going to bet that the caller has gone to the same five insurance companies with the same, the biggest five advertising budgets. If they go to a broker... I'm going to bet that price goes from a thousand to at least eight hundred euros, and they'll be cheaper than they were last year, the year before, and the year before. Wow! Okay, because, that's a big difference. Because there's two or three insurers who have now realised that the bracket of seventy plus, I think the saying is seventy is the new sixty. That it's it, these drivers are more than capable drivers. Um, I mean, they're experienced. They tend to drive uh, newer vehicles as well, with all the safety features on them. I'm going to guess most of them are safer drivers. So he's a full no claims bonus. Um, He's just been taken for a ride here by his own insurance company because they believe that the inertia won't move around. It's apathy, isn't it? That is the insurer's friend. It it absolutely is. And I'm going to also bet that it's a direct uh, customer as well, that they're insured directly with insurer who will build in that this person probably won't leave so the price can keep going up. Go to a broker and call into a local broker if needs be. Okay. Because the broker, by the way, does the legwork on all of this, so you don't have to. I mean, you can take a half day off work and phone twenty insurance companies, but they have all the technology that they can they can do that quickly, and you're not 
paying them extra. No, Isn't that right? No, no, you're not. But look, there is a, obviously a broker versus direct challenge sometimes that sometimes prices will be cheaper through the direct channel than they will be through the broker channel. More and more these prices are better through the broker channel because there's more choice. The direct insurers are looking for a very particular type of customer. If you fall outside that category, whether it's the returning immigrants, people with claims um, are people of a certain age, people with learner permits, mm. um, people with older vehicles. Anybody that falls into that category, I would say, will without a doubt get a better price through a broker, but not just a better price. They'll actually hammer the price that they're getting quoted through the main four or five high street brands. And there are, you say main four or five, there are actually dozens of insurers in this market. It's not just the, the ones that you see all the time. There's there's lots of, of different options for people. There absolutely is. But, uh, but the fact is that two of the insurance companies in the last six months that I'm aware of have stepped into this space and said, we want a piece of this market, which means they're going to be competitive for it. So I would bet that if you shop around, go to broker, that I think it won't just be a saving of 50 or 60 quid. There's a couple of hundred euros to be saved okay. here at least. All right. OK. Now, we've had a text <coughs> in from somebody about our last question, which is the hire car, mm-hmm. saying that enterprise will rent for 28 days plus. So maybe okay. that would be another option for Colette, I think it was, who, who had that who had that question. Uh, and we have um, another one for you, I think, Geraldine. We need to change our car. We have two children aged two to four, both in rear-facing seats and expecting twins. Oh, my goodness. You're going to be busy. So we need boot space to fit a double buggy. <laughs> they need a bus. <laughs> what yeah, should they go for? Citron actually do a nine-seater, which I'd nearly uh, recommend. Um, yeah, it's going to be difficult. The problem is, if you look at any of the SUVs that have seven seats, they have very little boot space. Again, what you really need is boot space is absolutely essential. I'd nearly consider, again, MPVs might be fashionable, but a Ford Galaxy has lots of space for both kids and boot space. And an aisle. It's like an aeroplane when yeah, you get into but, it. Yeah, but, you know, it? that's essentially what you're going to need. And they have, you know, they they keep, you know, children apart in the back, which is very important as well for long journeys, so they're not killing each other. So, yeah, I mean, if you if you have the money, you could look at something like an XC90 Volvo, but they're very expensive. If you're on a moderate budget, I would definitely look at something like a Ford Galaxy. They're not the most popular anymore. Another thing is to say at Alhambra, there may be a few of them still knocking around. That's the kind of, I would definitely be looking at MPV if you need boot space and lots of space for children. That's okay, a lot. Yeah, practicality has to win out at yeah. this stage in the game, yeah. doesn't it? Well, listen, the very best of luck with uh, all that is ahead of you. Uh, now, on the line, Siobhan, in Galway. Siobhan, what's your question for our experts? Hi, Sneed. Um, a, a dilemma, I'm sure, for a lot of parents, but my 19-year-old daughter has just come to the end of her you know, her driver theory, you know, not the driver theory, the, the lessons, you know, the 12 lessons that she has to have pre her test. So to get extra experience, we're trying to get her a small car, but find it very difficult to either get a car that we think is suitable or get a car that somebody will consider insuring. It's like a minefield. They won't take any car that's older than 10 years. And it looks like if anything, if, if it's anything over one litre, um, it's just a no-go area. So um, even what I find is very frustrating is when you go online and you use some of the major um, insurance companies, you fill in the data that you might have found from done dealing to see mm-hmm. if it's a great car or whatever, and mm. um, you discover that they'll give you a quote. And when you ring them to confirm, they say, oh, no, 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 sorry, just because we've accepted it online, um, we may not go through with it. They're not going to follow through. Okay. The details. They don't follow through. So they quote you on a car that's, say, 12 years old. And when you ring them, they say, oh, sorry, we don't take any car that's 
you know, greater than 10 years. So okay. it's really frustrating. And I don't know how you kind of even right. get there or maybe it's a no go. Well, let's let's ask <laughs> Jonathan that because he's our expert. So she's got a few things against her there. She's not against her, but the, the insurance would see she's what age? 19? Yeah, okay. 19. All right. And, and a 10 year old car. Jonathan, that is the case of late, isn't it? That insurers just don't like young drivers and old cars. Okay, well, the young drivers, they've never liked young drivers, okay, and this has come in since 2012, sort of the gender directive came in, so young female drivers pay the same as male drivers, and the male drivers never came down to meet the female drivers halfway, they just brought the female driver's price right up to where the male driver's rate was, so it has been a problem for everybody. They probably were the hardest hit category in the last two or three years of insurance hike, people with claims and young drivers. Young drivers were unaffordable 12 months ago 18 months ago it's definitely coming back now though that insurance companies are looking to do business with young drivers particularly I think this lady's mentioned that her daughter has done the lessons so she mm-hmm. has done, I'm right in saying she has the lessons are, are completed mm-hmm. at this stage she has yeah okay. there are insurance companies that are now giving discounts for having those lessons completed um, and mm-hmm. We're finding that that's, it's still unaffordable for 17 and 18 year olds to get insured. But for 19 year olds, 19 year olds who've completed their lessons and are nearly there and getting their full license. They're a better prospect. But they will get more reasonable pricing. But it is about shopping around. There is insurers who will do 12 year old vehicles as well. I don't know if you've spoken to any brokers, but there's other products that you would not normally hear sort of, you won't hear advertised. But basically, the brokers will have access to these through UK insurers. Um, So that would be my suggestion. Okay, Siobhan. Are you, will you try that? Because I know that a lot of the brokers that, um, that the, the insurance companies that Jonathan maybe mentioned may not have a street presence in Ireland, but they're certainly prepared to insure here and the brokers will have the, the lowdown on them. Yep, we'll give it a go. Good. Fantastic. <laughs> best luck and best luck to, best luck to your daughter. Cheers. Okay. Uh, more from Geraldine Herbert, uh, Jonathan Eyre and yours truly. Welcome back to Thank the Heart Shoulder. This is Sinead Ryan and you're listening to the Consumer Corner Call In. We have Geraldine Herbert, we have Jonathan Hare, our experts in studio. The calls are coming in thick and fast. Uh, you can call us on 1890 or text us on 53106430. And we have a caller on the line. Uh, this is Paula with her question for our experts. Go ahead, Paula. Hi, Sinead. I want to know how often should I service my car? Some people say you should do it annually and other people say just wait till the NCT because they'll tell you what's wrong with the car anyway. Okay, Geraldine. Well, I mean, this is part of how how do you look after your car? How do you change? How much should you change the oil? I never change my oil. I wouldn't know how or get the tyres done. What do you you say? It says a year, does it? Okay, it varies from car to car, first of all. The one thing I would say is consult consult your service manual, your handbook in the car, because that will tell you the specific details for your car. The second thing is ignore the NCT in the sense of that it's going to tell you anything about your car. It is purely a minimum standard that your car attains every two years or whatever. So it's not to be used as a diagnostic tool. It, once you're servicing your car regularly, you shouldn't have to worry about the NCT. So, you know, that the NCT is not there to tell you what's wrong with your car. I know, but I wonder, do people kind of say, look, I, it, there's always that dilemma. Do I go get pay for a service and then go and get the NCT and you might fill it or go along to the NCT and use it as a mechanism to yeah. work out what's wrong with your car? And loads of people do that. But genuinely, Sinead, if you're if you're using the schedule that actually is specified, as I said, in, in your handbook, if you look at it, it'll recommend whatever. It's down to the mileage you do. So it could be every 15,000 kilometres, could be 18,000 kilometres, could be 20,000 kilometres. Depends on your car. But if you're abiding by that, you don't have to worry about the NCT. The NCT will look after itself. But as I said, and don't use the NCT as a diagnostic tool because it's, it's the barest minimum standard. It really says mm. very little about your car, except you've just scraped over that little benchmark. Oh, I 
know, but we feel very fine. happy when we do, don't we? But in we? terms of oil changes, servicing, anything like that, you need to go by the specified manual in your car, the handbook, whatever you want okay. to call it. I, I have to find out where mine is yeah. to do that. OK, we have a text in from another caller. Uh, Hi, Sinead. I've just paid an extra €150 Euro for a full no-claims protection, and I'm wondering if your expert thinks it's worth it. I'm still within the cooling-off period, so time to change the mind. Full claims, prote- full no-claims protection. Tell us what that is, Jonathan, and what they paid for. So this is available to people who already have a full no-claims bonus. So she's renewed her car insurance policy, and she's paid an extra €150. Euros. Each insurance company will be different, but the general gist of it is that if during the next 12 months she has an accident, it won't affect her no-claims bonus. So regardless of the amount of the claim, um, some insurance companies are, if it's two claims in three years, some are one claim in a two-year period. It depends on each insurance company. But what it does mean is that with the insurance company that you're currently with, but only who you're currently with, they will give you a full bonus next year in the event of an accident. 150 sounds as though it was a lot to pay for that benefit. Normally, we would find that the, someone who's paying about four or 500 euros for their car insurance, it's an additional 40 or 50 euros. Um, and I think 150 was quite high to get that benefit included on it. Okay, so maybe go back and, and try and get that try and get that down or better value with somebody. Okay, we've a text in. I have to disagree with what your guest just said. At 52 years old with 30 years named driving experience, I just shopped around to get insurance in my own name. Uh, one insurer would not even speak to me um, and uh, broker quoted 737. Another broker, 1,059. I got my own price for 480. Gosh, it sounds like you did an extremely good job there, texter. Jonathan, how much of that is just down to the insurer's books? You know, some 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 of them, they're a bit like bookies, it seems to me. You know, they're too many of people of one age or one type of car and it can be down to a little bit of luck. It can, it can also down to be the fact that the insurance company who they ultimately went with in the end has probably given them like-for-like like named driving experience versus no claims bonus. So I'm going to guess that this was named on a partner's car and um, the insurance company question has probably gone and got it agreed themselves internally that this person has been driving for 20 years, we can give them a full bonus. If you'd rang us, we would probably have done the same thing. We would have got an insurer to agree for us that we can give a full bonus here. There's also the added fact that there's a second car in the family. Having a second car in the family does reduce your insurance premium as well. So um, the second car in the family being named in that. The fact you can also name somebody on the policy who is your partner, most likely with a full license, I'm going to guess in this case, that also reduces the cost of your insurance. So anybody who's looking for a car insurance quote should look for a quote for themselves and their own. But if you're a learner permit holder or if you're a full license holder, you should look to add a full license holder onto the policy as well, whether it's partner, spouse, parent. Young drivers with learner permits should always ask for a quote with a parent on it because this is where we're going with the learner permit holders driving by themselves. Mm. The insurance companies now, not only are they putting parents on for free, but they're actually giving a lower price to that learner permit holder who's going to add the parent on because yeah. it's more likely if the parent's on the policy that they're going to be in the vehicle with them as they're driving. But to go back to the the, the actual question here, that the disagreement about whether it's cheaper to go direct or to go through a broker, of course there's cases where you will be cheaper going direct, but in my experience is that the majority of cases will be cheaper through a broker um, purely because the broker has access to so many different products now compared to... That you wouldn't using, necessarily find in the, in the, on Google or in the phone and, book. And the restrictions that the, that the direct insurers have, the systems that they have in place, and possibly also over long term, that person mightn't save because let's see what their renewal works out at next year as well. All right, good, good. First year discount. OK, um, my guests this evening are motoring correspondent Geraldine Herbert and Jonathan Hare of insuremycars.ie.
there with me till 7 o'clock. We've lots and lots of queries to get through. Uh, do text us on 53106 if you want to add into that conversation. But right now, we'll take a quick Thank you, Trevor. Time. Now, you're with me, Sinead Ryan, until 7 o'clock. This is the Consumer Corner call-in. Uh, that might change before the <laughs> end of the week because it's getting increasingly harder to say. Um, my guests this evening are motion correspondent Geraldine Herbert and Jonathan Hare of insuremycar.ie uh, because we are discussing the topic of motoring and insurance and all things related to that. Uh, now, we have a question in from a texture. Would your experts recommend automatic cars and female provision license with three-year no-claims bonus and thinking of changing from a manual car? Um, Geraldine, they're more expensive, but they're very handy. Mm. Absolutely. And they're becoming more and more common. I think the last, uh, I think the breakdown now is 30% of all new cars are actually automatic. That's to do with hybrids and electrics coming in because they're all automatic. But definitely they did get a very bad rap years ago because they were, they, they were fuel guzzlers. They had these, you know, three speed transmissions and they were really slow. Now your modern automatic is actually more fuel efficient than a manual. And if you do a lot of city centre driving, they are an absolute joy. They really are. They do all the hard work for you. So yeah, I mean, definitely consider one. Um, I certainly wouldn't advise learning to drive in one because obviously then you're restricted and you haven't you know your license will only cover you for an automatic so I would always advise people to learn with manual gears but definitely and uh, buying an automatic just for the convenience is well worth it Are they more expensive to insure than a regular car a, a gear stick Jonathan? No it would be the same thing each each individual vehicle will be sort of rated on its own but it's not going to be rated as an, auto, an automatic versus a manual so it will be no um, less expensive but it won't be no, no more yeah. expensive Are there a joy when you're driving abroad I wouldn't go for anything mm. else if I, if I wasn't in my own car I must say. Uh, now, I've a uh, 151 Skoda state with very low mileage. Um, it's failing to sell. Where would you recommend I sell it? Now, I don't know where this texter is trying to sell it, if it's on a website or a done deal. Would you recommend a garage over, over the internet, Geraldine? Yeah, it depends to see what they're going to buy, what they're replacing it for, but you'd be better off do some sort of a trade-in. I mean, if you're going from a 151 Skoda and estate, you're probably, you know, looking at something fairly new then. You know, you'd be looking at something whatever. So I would definitely, I'd be going to a dealership. I think it's easier. It's an awful lot of hassle to sell a car online. It's an awful lot of hassle to buy a car online. You'd be better off going to a and dealership. And people are naturally wary about it just and in for case good reason. something goes wrong. Yeah. So maybe heading to a Skoda dealer in the first instance mm. or any other dealer. And dealer a dealer would take it yeah. and get a decent yeah. price for it, okay? Maybe you're just a little bit ambitious there about the price. OK, uh, well, our reporter, Henry McKean, took to the streets of Athlone to find out what the public makes of the amount of money they are spending on their car. Here's what he found out. How much do you spend on your car every month? OK, between insurance and petrol, I'd say 300 euro at least. And did you buy the car new? Is it higher purchase? Uh, no, I didn't buy it new. Oh, always used cars. Yeah, always used. Yeah. All in every month. What do you think you, you spend? Well, it's mostly on the petrol. You know, I'm on the road a lot. Um, I feel the insurance is too expensive, but um, you have to have it. And there's no real competitive prices at the moment. So, how much do you spend on your car each month? About 500 euro. And is that insurance, tax, depreciation of the vehicle? Yes. The works. That's a lot, isn't it? It is. And what sort of car do you drive? A Passat. Is it fancy? Uh, no, it's not new. And it's still costing €500 Euro a month. Where do you think the money goes on? Well, it's going on uh, diesel, it's insurance, it's tax, it's maintenance and it's depreciation. During the boom, I mean, we built some fantastic roads. The M6, uh, the M1 is pretty good and also the M8 is pretty good. That is it, but we're in a rural country, predominantly rural. So the, so the back vast, roads? Yes, the back roads. Most of the people, OK, if you live in the cities, fine. 
but there is a big population that don't live in the city, so we're on the back roads. So you in the Midlands, your back roads, you're saying they're poor? Uh, well, I mean, the road around that loan is certainly good. There are a number of very good roads, but there are a lot of the rural roads into the smaller areas, and they are poor, they're very poor. How much do you spend on your car a month? A month, let's say 60 euro a week by four, so... Yeah, 240, 200, let's say 260 euro a month. And does that include the depreciation of the vehicle? That's tax insurance, that's everything? That's everything, it would be roughly, yeah. So you're young, how old are you? I'm 25, actually, so it's not too young, but still, I think so. How much is your insurance? My insurance is 1,200 a year still, so. I don't drive, but she drives me mad. Okay, lots of uh, views there from Henry. Uh, now, we've another question in a text in Richard in Dublin. He said, I've recently bought a Nissan Leaf Electric for my business due to it having no benefit in kind. Only to be told I couldn't insure it as my company has no previous history for insurance. How can new businesses continue when they hit these type of walls? It's a fair question, Jonathan, isn't it? Um, you know, the government puts up these incentives and then insurers have difficulty with them. Yeah, and what we're finding is that most of the cars that have been bought are possibly by principles of the business. There's no benefit in kind on the electric vehicles. And the problem that they hit is that the vehicle has to be registered to the business name. It can't be registered to the owner's name. Their previous car insurance policy was most likely in their name or in their um, partner's name. So the no claims bonus is not in the business name, which means then that the business is a first-time driver. So it's considered first-time driver. But again, the good news is that two insurance companies in the last couple of months have agreed that they will insure the vehicles in the individual's name. So in Richard's name now, he would get a quote now and the business will be noted on the policy as a secondary interest on it, which means that he can continue his no claims bonus. So it won't have to be insured in the business's name. It can be registered in the business's name, but Richard will continue having his own no claims bonus. Isn't but, but it that, an absurd but that's only two state that of, of affairs where the per, like a business never drives a car, a person drives a car. And, you know, it's the same for kind of people coming back from abroad or, you know, people who've been named drivers driving perfectly well and suddenly they have their own insurance. And it's just like it's obstacles are being put in their way. The problem is, though, is that the vehicle is, it's compulsory that you must um, register the vehicle in the business's name. And in a lot of these businesses, they're limited companies and you are not the limited company. You, you know, you are an individual, you're separate to the business um, and you don't have an insurable interest in it if something was to happen to the vehicle. Only the business has an insurable interest in it. So I can see why the way this works out, but I think that where if the insurance companies fell down, they weren't quick enough to come up with a solution to the problem where it could be insured in the business name, but the no claims bonus could yeah. transfer across. Okay, right. Well, we've another electric uh, vehicle query and we've, we've got quite a lot of them as well. Geraldine, my parking space for my house is across the road and I have no driveway. Is there any way I can get a home charging point if I get an electric vehicle? Now, of course, there's grants for home plug-in units, but you, you need somewhere to put them. You do need somewhere to put them. Um, it costs about a thousand euros to get one in. Again, that depends on the installation and how tricky it is with your house. It can cost more, it can cost less, but there's a grant for 600. Now, the good news about the grant is it's also for second-hand cars. That was only new. Before that, if you bought a second-hand car, you didn't get that. 
Um, that is an issue. I mean, the thing about electric cars is you either have to have a charging point where you work or you need one at home. That really is the only way it works. The infrastructure around the country is, is quite unreliable, so you really don't want to be depending on that. So you need a definite place to charge it. The one thing, though, I would say about charging it is, unless you're doing really high mileage, the range on them is really, really good now. Like, the average um, uh, distance that most people cover, I think, according to the last CSO travel survey, was 318 kilometres a week. Now, that's on Saturdays and Sundays. That's everything. That's shopping. That's the whole lot. Your average electric car now will do at, at least 250 to 300. There are <laughs> brand new cars that will do 450. People still have suffer from range anxiety. You know, they just yeah. want to know for sure the car is going to go and charging it overnight at home makes eminent sense. So, yeah. but you do need your something you own to, pl- to, to get that charging point. Ideally, you? if you have a charging point at home. But as I said, if you have a charging point in work and you're only okay. going to charge, you know, you're eight hours in work, you will charge it the same. So don't be put off. They are not just for short city centre commutes. You know, they are for everybody really at the okay. moment. Oh, there also is take a three pin plug as well. A lot yeah. of them now come with a three pin plug where you can plug it mm. through the Just plug it in oh, to an outdoor <laughs> socket. So, yeah, so you don't even need you, a you charger. You won't get as charge, like but, a it, it, wash, but, it, yeah. but it still works. Good. The okay. But it will work. There's some options for that texture. Okay. We have another caller on the line. It is Francis from Greystones. Francis, what's your question? Hi, Sinead. Uh, I have a 2007 diesel car and it's running pretty well, but it's due to the NCT next week and I'm really happy with this. I hope it passes, but if I don't, I need to buy a new car. So I like the idea of a hybrid, but my budget was pretty limited, probably 10 to 12 grand. Is there anything in the market secondhand that I'd be able to buy? Now, the, it's an interesting thing about, thanks Francis, um, it's an interesting thing about the um, electric vehicles because they are beginning now to be imported and we're not as sticky about about getting them and there's really good quality cars. Second-hand mm. car, what would somebody expect to pay? I mean, there's a range. Remember, the Nissan Leaf, if you're looking, electric has been around since 2010. So, they so are there are second-hand the models now. In terms of hybrids, uh, which is the, the question here for 10 to 12,000, uh, there isn't a huge selection, but there would be the Toyota Aris hybrid. There mm. would be the Prius, which was the first one. Yeah. It's been around since 1997. Not the the Renault current. Zoe. Oh, it's small, um, though, isn't well, it? Well, that's, yeah. that's electric. But if you're just looking at um, hybrid, and like not everybody's ready. If you're going from a diesel car, you're probably not ready to make that leap into electric. Hybrid's perfect for that. For that budget, you would. there isn't a huge selection, but you would look at a Toyota Aris. There's a Honda Insight, um, a Toyota Prius, or you might, for that, that money get a Lexus CT 200H so there's a few options out there mainly Toyota and Lexus is what you're looking at for a second hand hybrid Okay, we've another texter in uh, I have a 2008 Opel Zavira and the head gasket is gone the car costs uh, it's around 2000 euros to fix it uh, and uh, what is his best option for getting rid of the car but also getting money for it, reckons he'd only get 2000 to sell it, 1100 to fix it it's hardly worth keeping is it? Hardly worth it. And, uh, you know, the problem is this whole thing about older cars and trying to get insurance. The market has really fallen out completely for mm. older cars, 10 or 11 year old cars. Very difficult. Precisely um, because they're expensive to insure yeah. and to repair. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I mean, I hate to suggest scrapping, but, you know, that might be an option as well. But you're going to get, in terms of money, there's very little value in cars. Okay. All right. Uh, we have another caller in, uh, text in. I've just heard that certain occupations and localities uh, on request for insurance can give, a, can give lower prices. Is this correct? And what occupations and locations? Well, I'm tempted to say you, you live where you live and you are what you are. Journalism, Jonathan, is journalism a is a bad one. Well, don't we know that uh, for all kinds of reasons? Jonathan, why, are, why do insurance companies care what you do for a living as long as you are not carting stuff around in the back of your car all day as a salesman? Well, the insurance companies have built in hundreds 
of um, different calculations in the background on a car insurance quote. Now, it used to be very straightforward. Licence type, number of years bonus, the county you lived in and your age and licence type. Now there's hundreds in the background in terms of the car and also the person himself. They've placed a huge emphasis on occupation, even if it's just for private use only um, and location is down to the street and to the house. But again, the suggestion I would make is that while this is you are what you are, as you said, for a lot of people, the occupations are drop down menu lists. So you don't get to tell them exactly what you do. You've got to pick the closest one to your occupation off a list. So, mm-hmm. for example, I saw recently a medical secretary had put herself in as a receptionist. But had she put in medical secretary, it would have actually generated a cheaper price than receptionists would. Why? I, I, I don't know why. I genuinely, <laughs> I, I, I can't <laughs> answer it. just seems but, extraordinary. But, but the point is, though, is that if you do speak to somebody about your quote, you may may find that the lists they have are quite poor and that what you do may actually, through another channel, generate a lower price than what they have. And occupation is one of the bigger ones. So the, the texture is correct. It's, it's becoming more and more to the fore in, in the rating. It's hard to stay ahead of them. Right. OK, uh, this is the Consumer Corner Call-In. Uh, I'm with Geraldine Herbert and Jonathan Hare answering your motoring questions. Uh, we'll be back to them in a moment. And this is The Hard Shoulder and I'm Sinead Ryan and I'm going to be with you every day this week between 6 and 7 taking live uh, calls on all consumer matters today. It's motoring. We have Jonathan Hare from uh, insuremycar.ie and Geraldine Herbert, motoring correspondent. And on the line, we have Laura in Navan. Laura, you have a question in relation to diesel cars for our experts. Yes, hi Sinead, I do. Um, Sinead, I'm driving a diesel car because I do quite a lot of mileage and I'm hearing more and more talk about um, some extra VAT or taxes that are going to go onto diesel cars and my concern is now should I maybe get rid of my diesel car and go for electric or petrol is not, is not going to be an option because I do quite a lot of mileage so probably electric or hybrid would be my best option. Okay, thank you, Laura. Now, of course, diesel cars getting a bad rap at the moment. Um, Geraldine, should she cut her losses now or hang yeah. on for a bit? I would definitely recommend when you're changing your car, whether you have a petrol or diesel at the moment, the next time you do it, go for the most environmental choice you can make, to be honest. I think, though, looking at the tax strategy report that was produced this month by the government in terms of the budget, their government look like they're more likely to sort of encourage people to buy electric cars rather than punish people for diesel and petrol cars. But I would be mindful of the fact that it's going to become more costly to run a petrol and a diesel, but particularly a diesel. But as I said, if I was changing my car in the morning or next year, I'd be looking at the more more environmental options. And Laura was saying that you do a lot of mileage and uh, driving around, um, so range anxiety might be an issue there. Yeah, the thing is, again, it's not so much mileage. Again, if you're going to look at something like a hybrid, it's more the kind of driving you do. If you do a lot of short journeys, hybrids are great. If you do motorway driving, they're not so good. But don't rule out electrics. This is my answer at the moment. Okay, well worth going uh, to have a look at that. Okay, Uh, we've a text in. My wife is a small limited company. Would it make sense for her to buy our car through the business or just direct? Are there any tax benefits or issues uh, for doing it? Geraldine. Again, you'd be better off checking with your accountant. If you're buying an electric car, there's the 100% BIK. That's a huge incentive at the moment. Yeah. Um, there's, um, yeah, there, there, there's good incentives for electric cars. Otherwise, you would depend on what's what works best for you. I would talk to the accountant. Okay. Uh, Jonathan, one for you. Uh, Textured. I'm driving 30 years. I have a full license for 29 years and a full no claims bonus. No points. No claims ever. And I'm struggling with insurance. It's a joke. Uh, I think I've earned the right to drive a Ferrari if I wanted, uh, and I'm a sales rep. What's my weak link? I think he's he's just said it, hasn't he, Jonathan? 
if he's a sales rep and he's using the car for work purposes, then that is the issue there because it's one of the highest categories that you're going to get. But if he's a sales rep and he's not using the car for work purposes, then <clears throat> he needs to explain that to whoever he's looking for the quote. So if this caller goes online and just puts in sales rep, it's going to be assumed it's for work purposes. He'll be charged the highest rate. But there's lots of sales rep that use other vehicles for work but have their own private car. Okay. So like go to a broker, explain to them that actually you're not using it for work purposes and, and you just want it for your own personal use and, and that should bring down the insurance a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Um, my son, 18, is a learner and is off road for maximum points. How will this affect his insurance? Oh, badly, I would have thought, Jonathan. Yeah, I think that that's going to be... He's going expensive to be a, lesson. Uh, it's going to be an an unaffordable insurance price I'm afraid for the next couple of years the only thing you can do is trying to minimise it so what I would suggest here is that you know he completes the lessons goes for his full licence um, and he's going to have to wait it out as an 18 year old it's unaffordable for all 18 year olds at the moment yeah. so he's in the same boat as everyone else needs to wait out a couple of years um, I think in three years time the penalty points will all be gone he'll still have to declare that he was put off the road yeah. uh, for it. And that will cost him, but it won't be as, as bad in three years' Spend time. the time reading the rules of the road. Okay, and saving. Um, and saving. <laughs> another texture in. Hi, Sinead. What about PCP? I do high mileage, 40,000 uh, plus a year. Is this the right way to go? Geraldine, personal contract plans, you are shaking your head. Uh, not with high mileage. Yeah, because they come with the clause, yeah, don't they? A lot a of them. Very, very strict mileage policy. The problem is the dealer is trying to preserve the value in the car. If you do high mileage, you're losing that value. PCPs are great if you have a very re- a regular, steady um, commute that's that's short. You have a regular job. You know circumstances are not going to change, and you don't want to own the car at the end. If you want to buy a car, you're better off getting a credit union loan or a bank loan, spreading your costs over a couple of years. Pcps are not for buying a car, but they do work out well. But they only suit certain people, yeah. and high mileage is and, not and one of I them. And I know the central bank did research on this recently because we've been taking no information on PCPs in this country and found that most people do not understand what yeah, they are you buying. You have to understand you the terms and conditions. Okay. Uh, we've another question in a texter. I have to drive an automatic car and my son needs to learn to drive in a manual. Uh, I'm a widow and can't be a main driver in another car and putting him through as a main driver in a second car. His insurance is over €5,000. Are there any other options? Jonathan, this is a tricky one because the parent owns an automatic and, and the kid wants to has to learn on a manual. And I think that they have to have an automatic as well for various for, for some reason or other, so they can't actually change the car to the manual. Um, the long... The question here is basically can she insure two cars at the same time and have a, a child? Is, you can try, but it'll work out the same price. Like the insurance companies have figured this out at this stage. So um, there's only downsides to that because in the event of a claim, there will be questions asked. Um, you know, if they find out that their son was not the main user of the vehicle, um, there could be serious complications. So is it that you can't be seen to own two cars at the same time as, well, a, as a main driver? Well, you, you can own two cars at the same time and you can add a second driver to it. Um, but once you give that full information to the insurance company and disclose it to them, they're just going to rate it on the young driver anyway. So that young driver will be better off starting their own policy because at least at that stage they're starting to earn a no claims bonus. But in this case, I mean, there's, there's three or four things that you can do. It's get your full license. It's and do your 12 lessons. There are discounts out there for having your 12 lessons. Get your full license. And 19 year old, 19 years of age is where we would see it as the best age now. We still think that 17 and 18 year olds are unaffordable. But when you yeah. hit 19, it should be much more affordable. Okay, we've actually we've another one in. Um, uh, on 
the text here. My 19-year-old son, again 19, has just passed his test and is looking to buy a car for himself. He has spoken to four insurance companies and they're all quoting him over 3500 Can I just insure it in my name for him? That's not allowed, is it? No, no the answer is no, but a 19-year-old with a full licence should be paying around 2500 euros at the moment and that's without any names driving experience. So they've just gone to the wrong places and I'm going to guess it's the same five high street names. Call into your local broker and they will have access to products through the UK that would probably be around two and a half thousand euros. Okay, all right. And so I'm going to say yeah. that after the first year's no claims bonus and the first year's no claims bonus and the full licence, that drops down to around 1,500 euros after the first year. Everyone has to bite the bullet in the first year, but it is more affordable now than it was before. Okay. Well, I would like to thank my guests very much, Jonathan Hare and Geraldine Herbert. Thank you for taking the seat of the pants and <laughs> and answering thank all you. those questions live because no you problem. actually had no idea what was coming in there, neither did I. And thank you to all the listeners. Really, really interesting questions across a high uh, range of stuff. Now, tomorrow, we're doing this every single night this week uh, on a different topic each night. Tomorrow, it is pensions. Whether you're 25 or 65, you should know something about what's in store for retirement. Uh, we're told there's a pension crisis looming. We've experts in to answer your questions about schemes, automatic enrolment, state benefits and everything else. 1890 low call and text 53106 or email us at thehardshoulder at newstalk.com For tonight, I'd like to thank the production team Mark Simpson, Ashley Moore, Dan Flanagan.